September 6, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. And Chet, college football started off with a bang this past weekend, and this weekend it's time for the Eagles and the NFL. Yeah, you know it. An impressive win for those Nittany Lions last Saturday. That Saquon Barkley's pretty good. But as you said, now the spotlight moves to the Eagles, so we will get you all set for the birds on this Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Hey, Chad, as you know, there's a major hurricane uh, getting ready to make landfall in the next couple days that has already affected the NFL schedule with the Tampa Bay at Miami game being canceled and moved to week 11 already. And the Miami Hurricanes at Arkansas State game for Saturday has also been canceled due to travel issues for the team. The Memphis at Central Florida game in Orlando has been moved from Saturday to Friday. There's all kinds of things going on down there in the uh, South Florida. I never liked the name Irma, and now I like it even less. So uh, let's hope everyone stays safe down in the not-so-sunny Sunshine State. Yeah, it's uh, it's looking like it's a pretty dangerous situation right now, but it's still a couple days out, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But, uh, you know, there was talk about moving that Tampa Bay-Miami game to either Philadelphia or to Pittsburgh uh, to yeah. play play it up there. But I guess uh, ultimately Miami ownership has already given up one home game to London, and we're not right. prepared to give up another home game to someone else. And it just so happened that the Buccaneers and Dolphins – uh, by week fell on the same week. Yeah, and I understand that concern, and, you know, you don't want to have to give up a second home game. But on the other hand, now they're going to have to play 16 straight weeks, so no bye for either of those teams. Yeah, that that's going to be tough down the road. It's it, it's about money today, but when, uh, when you don't have a bye week for the whole entire season, that's going to be tough on both those clubs. Yep. All right, well, hey, with all that said, and uh, – the way we finally got to talk about the Eagles, let's talk about them fighting Philadelphia Eagles, Chet. Yeah, we're going to make our predictions in the show too, right? And uh, I don't know if you were going to mention this, but I'm going to tell you, if any listeners want to give us a call and offer their prediction, we will have some time after we hear from a very special guest. Uh, the call-in number is 929-477-2855. That is 929-477-2855. We haven't taken phone calls in a while, so that'll be fun. And don't be shy. We don't bite. We're always willing to talk Eagles football with you when the time permits. That's right. Hey, Chet, uh, the final 53 had a few surprises, not as much in who they kept, but how many they kept at different positions. Only two quarterbacks, only eight offensive linemen, while keeping five running backs on the active roster. Yeah, the the final 53. You said it, Bill. The numbers breakdown being a bit of a surprise. There was a question mark among the running backs, and some folks didn't expect both Corey Clement and Donnell Pumphrey to make the team, but the undrafted Clement certainly deserves to be there after having a strong camp and outperforming Pumphrey in the preseason. But Pumphrey was a fourth-round pick, and Howie Roseman is going to show a little faith in the little guy, and he's going to keep him around, hoping he blossoms later on. I thought Bryce Treggs would make the 53-man roster. He looked real good in uh, the preseason, I thought. He's got speed. He will be on the practice squad at least, but he clearly outplayed rookie Shelton Gibson in the preseason. As for the O-line, yeah, they better hope everyone stays healthy or they may be scrambling a bit, although I know two of the ten guys on the practice squad are offensive linemen. And by the way, I don't think we mentioned our special guest tonight. Uh, We have a recorded conversation with the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, so that's coming up in just a few minutes. Stick around for that. Yeah, that's right, and uh, good pick up on that because I got a little lost in uh, my phone beeping and the hurricane on my other ear, and uh, (laughs) I got a little lost in my paperwork here, so good pick up on that. Yeah, don't forget hey, about Jack, Merrill Reese. 
Yeah, well, we we certainly don't want to don't don't want to do that. But hey, um, interestingly enough, I think the way you know you have 53 guys on the active roster, 46 are going to dress out. So it's going to be interesting to see come Sunday who the seven are that are not dressed out and whether two of those running backs are not dressed out. It will, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they sat both Pumphrey and Clement because, you know, Smallwood, I think, is going to get a lot of carries. They like Smallwood. The problem with him is keeping him healthy. You know that LeGarrette Blunt's going to be in there because he's their short yardage guy. He had 18 touchdowns for the Patriots last year. And, of course, uh, Darren Sproles, you got to have him in there. So those are the three mainstays. We're going to see a lot of those three. I wouldn't be surprised if they did not dress the other two, at least for game one. Yep, and uh, I, I think that's probably going to happen. But, you know, you might might be surprised. Somebody's got to run back kicks and punts and things like that. The other thing is the two quarterbacks. That I find that really interesting. Um, you know, you, you pick up a guy. You didn't even keep one of the guys you had in camp as your third guy. You end up going to Washington and getting a guy from down there to be your third guy on your practice squad. I mean, this season certainly is going to ride on the health of Carson Wentz. It is, and you mentioned the quarterback situation. Nick Foles, the backup, we haven't seen him at all in uh, the preseason because he had some shoulder or elbow issues. He says he's fine, but we haven't seen evidence of that for sure. Let's just hope Wentz stays healthy, at least you know for the first few games while Foles continues to get closer to 100%. He says he is 100%, but who knows? Let's hope it doesn't come to that, at least uh, not right away. Well, and I'm going to throw a tidbit of information at you, Chet, that you may or you may not know. On the present Eagles roster, there are 23 guys, 23, who make $875,000 or less. Wow. 23 out of 53. So that is over 43 out of 53. Yep. Wow. Yep, and it's interestingly, you know, on that list are guys like Ronald Darby, Isaac Samalo, Jalen Watkins, uh, of course, uh, Wendell Smallwood, uh, Big V. They're all on that lower paid list of guys because they don't have a lot of time in the league yet. So very interesting that uh, when you see how this roster is put together, then some of the guys maybe that got cut versus the guys that are stayed – uh, this team is $9 million under the cap, and they've got a lot of young, let's call them underpaid guys at this point, lower-paid guys at this point. Yeah, interesting. Uh, a lot of guys are still on their first contract, and unless you're uh, you know, a top five or top ten pick in the first round, you're not going to get rich right away. So I did not realize that. That's pretty wild that like 42% or so of uh, the 53-man roster is making chump change, essentially. Jump change for that league, and 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 I'll take you yes. just one step further on that. While we're talking about it, Wasniewski, Warmack, Blunt, Sturgis, Jernigan, all under, and Donnie Jones, all under 1.4 million. And those got those are guys that are going to contribute. You would think all under 1.4 million dollars. So they've got a they've got a pretty, let's call it cheap team. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, but that, that's a good way to run a business, though. So, you know, if you can get guys who have talent, but you don't have to pay them a lot, that's good. There you go. Hey, there was an interesting article in the paper yesterday questioning whether the Eagles shortchanged the defense in trying to improve Carson Wentz and his offensive weapons. You buying or selling that? That I don't believe that at all. Not at all. I mean, they brought in Chris Long and Tim Jernigan. They drafted Derek Barnett in the first round. And then they traded away one of their big guys on the offense, uh, the leading wideout, Jordan Matthews, to acquire cornerback Ronald Darby. So, no, not buying that argument at all. I agree with you 100%. I wasn't sure where you were going to go because, uh, you know, early in the in the offseason, it looked like it was all offense, offense, offense. And then when they went with Barnett on defense – and then they and then got Jernigan kind of early, then things started to swing back the other way more towards the offense or the defensive side. Yeah, and one other thing before we get to Merrill Lease, uh, we're going to have that interview for you in just a minute or two. I'm sure you heard the comments from Mike Lombardi yesterday, essentially calling Doug Peterson the least qualified NFL head coach in at least 30 years. 
What's your take on that? Is that clickbait from Lombardi's website, or is there any truth to what he's saying? I think it's absolutely clickbait, and uh, and actually really disappointing that a guy who would be a NFL executive at, at for several different teams, unsuccessfully we might add, uh, would mm-hmm. come out and say something like that. It's just just kind of in poor taste to me, and and the fact with with um, Peterson is the guy's been here one year. He's seven and nine with a rookie quarterback and a whole lot of problems at key positions and. You know, we've we've talked about this a bunch of times with most of our guests. You know, did they overachieve or underachieve? And uh, you know, I, I think they played pretty well, all things considered. And of course, they got to get better this year. Yeah, we're agreeing too much tonight, Bill. But yeah, I, I think you're right on with that one. Lombardi is over the line with those comments. Crazy. All right. Well, hey, as you mentioned, you had a chance to visit with the legendary voice of the Eagles, Merle Reese, to talk Eagles. Uh, hopefully you didn't tell him he got outvoted in our Hall of Fame poll this year. That might not have gone over well. <laughs> I made sure not to mention that, Bill, because I wanted to make sure he would continue to come on our show once in a while. <laughs> but, yes, always good to talk with Merrill and to get his take on how the birds might do here in 2017. This is Jim Chesko, and I'm happy to welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio for a third straight season, the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. Hey, Merrill. Thanks, Jim. How are you? Doing great. Merrill, I talked to you for our show just before the season opener a year ago and just days after it was announced that you'd be inducted into the Eagles Hall of Fame, which, of course, happened a couple of months later. A well-deserved honor, and I know it meant a lot to you personally. Oh, it did. It was a wonderful, wonderful honor to receive the entire weekend, the weekend of the Green Bay Packers game. The Monday night game was amazing with uh, appearances and big brunch on Sunday morning and a million things to do on Monday the, the only thing that didn't turn out well was the game. The <laughs> Eagles got killed by the Packers that night. Yeah, they sure did. Hey, it was announced last week, Merrill, that uh, the 2017 inductee into the Eagles Hall of Fame will be a guy that you're pretty familiar with, David Akers. The kick is away. It got the distance. It's gone! It's gone! And the Eagles beat the New York Giants on a walk-off field goal by David Akers, 23-20. to an amazing finish to an Eagles-Giants wild-card playoff game after the 2006 season. How many of those classic Merrill, it's good, calls was Akers responsible for? Well, it was, he, he was responsible for more than his share, I'll tell you that, a lot of them. Some that were monumental, some very, very big kicks. Yeah, great kicker and a great human being also. Now, let's turn our attention to the 2017 Eagles. Although he's only in his second year, this is Carson Wentz's team, and I'm wondering how much improvement you expect to see from Wentz in year two. A lot, really. I think he's terrific. I think that Carson Wentz is a guy who doesn't look like a second-year man. He didn't look like a rookie last year much of the time, but he he kept getting better. He uh, had some difficult uh, obstacles in his way, particularly when the Eagles lost Lane Johnson for 10 weeks, and that changed the composition of the offensive line. But Lane is back, and the offensive line should be more consistent. And Carson Wentz carries himself like a veteran. He's got the quarterback demeanor. I think he looks like a veteran, and I think within the next three years, he's going to be a top-five quarterback in this league. Now, no one seems to know just yet how the running back situation is going to play out. The top three guys are Darren Sproles, LeGarrette Blunt, and Wendell Smallwood. But who do you think will get the bulk of the carries? Boy, I I think the most complete back is Wendell Smallwood. To me, and of course I don't have anything to do with these decisions, to me, LeGarrette Blunt is your classic sledgehammer. It's great to have somebody like that for short yardage. And Darren Sproles, of course, is a slash. You can line him up in the slot, catches the ball on wheel routes. is lightning quick. He's tremendous. But I think as an all-around back, Wendell Smallwood has the most complete skills. I know it could still change, but uh, for now at least, Corey Clement has made the team, the young man from Glassboro by way of Wisconsin. What do you think of Corey Clement as a running back? Well, he's a good back, assuming he's made the team and nothing happens because in these first couple of weeks, there's a lot of on and off the roster and switching around of practice squads that goes on. I would think that that fourth back or that fifth back is somebody who's most of the time going to learn and practice and not dress on Sundays unless somebody goes down. 
Right. Hey, we didn't see a whole lot of the new receivers in the preseason, but Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith each did catch a touchdown pass in the third game. Maybe Nelson Aguilar will finally have that breakout year. Zach Ertz at tight end is a real force. Lots of weapons for Wentz. You're right. You're right, Jim. There are a lot of weapons, and I think that the guy to keep your eye on, of course, is Alshon Jeffrey. He's the premier guy. But I'm very, very optimistic about Nelson Aguilar operating out of the slot. Looked good in practice, but it really wasn't targeted that much during the preseason. But with him, it's not a matter of talent. It's not a matter of speed. It's a matter of confidence. Getting that bad stretch out of the way from last year and just going out there and making catch after catch after catch. Because physically, there's no doubt that he can do it. On the other side of the ball, we have additions of guys like Tim Jernigan, Chris Long, and rookie Derek Barnett. How good will the D-line be this season? I think very good. I think that Tim Jernigan will be better than Benny Logan. I thought that Benny Logan was more limited. He was kind of a, a space taker, very good against the run, nothing special in terms of rushing the quarterback. And I think that Jernigan can, can do more of that. I think Chris Long is going to help. He's a veteran. He's a talented player. And I also think that Derek Barnett is going to prove to be a blue-chip first-round draft pick. The addition of Ronald Darby was nice. Tough to lose Jordan Matthews in the process, of course. But do you still have concerns about the cornerback situation? I don't think I do. A lot of people do. I, I don't feel as if that's going to be that much of a weakness. I think Darby's really good. I mean, I think he can stay with anybody. Yeah, he gave up a couple of big plays against the Miami Dolphins, but that was preseason football. The thing is, he was still with the receiver. And he has got great closing speed. He's got good hands. And when you have somebody like Darby, you can give Jalen Mills a little more help on the other side. Not that he needs a lot of help, because Mills has that gunfighter's mentality, and I think he's just going to get better and better. So I'm not as much concerned about the corners as I was a year ago. Plus, add to the fact that I think the pass rush is going to be much improved, and that will make the corners job easier. All right. Now, Merrill, forgive me for bringing this up, but a year ago I asked you to give me one or two players who, in your view, could be pleasant surprises. And you said Doriel Green-Beckham and Nolan Carroll. Now, neither had a memorable year, and both are now gone. But, you know, I have faith in you that you're going to redeem yourself this year. So tell me one or two guys who might exceed expectations. I, I don't know why you should have any faith in me <laughs> I after giving you those two guys, although I still think Nolan Carroll, and I, I think he got hurt in Dallas, but I think he's a good football player. Doriel Greenbeckham, I can't for the life of me understand why he's not productive because yeah. he has everything you look for in a receiver from a physical standpoint. He's big and he's strong and he's fast, and yet for some reason or another he just does not produce the way somebody with his measurables should. This year, let me see, I think that I would say that Barnett is somebody definitely to watch. And the other guy I'm going to tell you to watch, because I think he can have an impact, is Mac Hollins, the draft choice out of North Carolina. He's not only a fine receiver, a big target who catches everything, but he's also an outstanding special teams player. So I would say Mac Hollins. Another guy just to throw in there because he's, he's such a great athlete and he finds ways to help you, is the guy who switched to number 88, Trey Burton. He's a guy who will make some big receptions. So the other guys are obvious, of course, when you're talking about Jeffrey or Ertz and people like that. But those are the guys who I would add to, to look out for this year. I'm with you on all of those fronts, Merrill. Good guys. Now, in addition to Jordan Matthews, the Birds also parted ways recently with longtime long snapper John Dorenbos. I had the pleasure of meeting John on three or four occasions, and it was obvious to see why he was so well-liked. Well, he's a great guy, and he had an amazing career here. He was the longest-tenured Eagle. Uh, we all know about the magic, and America's Got Talent as a finalist. He's an amazing person, but he's 37 years old and teams move on for various reasons. And that's why they uh, came up with a long snapper, a young 24-year-old long snapper by the name of Rick Lovato. When John got hurt last year, they liked what they saw. They brought him to camp, and they, they simply think that he beat Durham Boss out. There was not a financial consideration there from what I've been told. I would think that perhaps a 24-year-old guy is a little faster getting downfield to cover punts. But uh, I, I think it was just a matter of it, – it's tough. I mean, Doug Peterson empathizes with these players as much as any coach ever does. Don't forget, the 14-year career, 
Doug was cut six different times. Yeah. But John has had a wonderful career, and I, I hope he can eke a little more out of it with the Saints. Hey, how competitive will the NFC East be this season? Tough to tell. Uh, the Cowboys should be tough again, but I don't know what the suspension of uh, Ezekiel Elliott is going to mean. Uh, certainly it weakens them somewhat. Uh, I think the Giants are good in some areas. I think their offensive line is a problem right now. They do not seem to be blocking well. And I think the Cowboy, uh, the uh, Washington Redskins have uh, added a couple of receivers, but they've also lost to Sean Jackson, who gives everybody fits, and Pierre Garçon, who seems to specialize in killing the Eagles. So I don't know. I, I think the Redskins would be the fourth as far as I'm concerned. Now, for the Eagles, a tough early season schedule, Merrill. Those first six games are rough. We need to know, is this a playoff team? In my opinion, yes. In my opinion, this team could win 10 games. Now, if they don't, you're going to bring that up to me next year. (laughs) But uh, I look at this team, and I say this is a playoff team. They they have the big-time quarterback, and that's number one. He has weapons, wide receivers, tight ends, good offensive line, have to protect better than they did during the preseason, but again, there's no game planning involved there. Defense improved. Excellent defensive coordinator. Put it all together, and I, and I think this is a playoff team. I think it's a 10-win team. The Patriots are the defending Super Bowl champs, of course. i got to ask you, is Tom Brady ever going to get old? No, uh, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, 57 years from now, Tom Brady will still be quarter-racking <laughs> the New England Patriots. He, you know, it's, it's a very funny thing that you bring that up because a friend of mine just today emailed me a cover of a magazine from uh, the early 2000s, I think it was 2002, and facing each other on the cover were Tom Brady and Donovan McNabb. Wow. And it said, two quarterbacks ascending, or, or something to that nature. And and you know what? You know, Donovan McNabb had an outstanding career. People forget that. He really is the most successful quarterback in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. But Tom Brady is a quarterback for the ages. Tom Brady is a quarterback that arguably, I mean, there are people who say Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback who ever lived. And certainly when you look at all those Super Bowls, there's a reason to say that. My personal favorite was always Peyton Manning. But Tom Brady is uh, either 1 or 1A. And finally, Merrill, speaking of favorites, you're a movie guy. And two years ago, you told me your favorite football movie is Everybody's All-American, a fine choice. It is. Last year, you told me another one of your favorite sports movies is a golf film, The Legend of Bagger Vance. So just, mm-hmm. just wondering, do you have a favorite baseball movie? Favorite baseball movie? Yeah, I love The Natural. I, I still love The Natural. I know it's, it's corny and all that, but, boy, when Robert Redford hits that home run at the end and the lights go out and the fireworks start, that movie still gives me goosebumps. Yeah, great stuff. Merrill, all the best as you enter your 41st year as the voice of the Eagles. Great talking with you again here on Philly Press Box Radio, and let's hope it is a terrific season. Thanks, Jim. I can't wait to get it started Sunday in Washington. All right. That's uh, Merrill Reese, and Bill, I had your microphone muted, so you are back with us. I am back on, and I tell you what, always good to hear Merle talk. He he just gets you fired up just hearing him speak about having a regular conversation. Oh, he does. He's just so passionate about everything. I mean, even you know, movies, you know, favorite baseball movie. He he thinks about it. He doesn't just give you uh, some you know answer that he has from the past. He thinks about it. Like, is that really my favorite movie? You know, what, what was the favorite? You know, whatever. He's he's very very personal. I love that about Merrill. Yep, absolutely. And, hey, so a couple of interesting points he made. Uh, the Aguilar in the slot thing and, uh, you know, doing well in practice, haven't seen him in the game. Of course, we're all thinking about that, and, and I think we're all in a situation with Nelson Aguilar where it's time to show me. Yeah, it's year three, and this is where a lot of guys will, you know, either show that they're capable of playing in the NFL or they'll really fizzle out. Aguilar didn't do a whole lot last year. He was a big disappointment, but, you know, maybe this is his breakout year. With Jordan Matthews gone, it's his time to shine. Let's see what he's got. Well, and, you know, the Eagles kind of went out on a limb with him here, and, uh, you know, they're they're kind of hanging out there a little bit, and he, he's got to play well um, because where are they going to go? And, and he mentioned Mac Hollins and 
that, that'll be interesting, too, to see how he blends in with this bunch and if he's actually going to get much playing time. I like Matt Collins. I mean, there was that one play that we saw, you know, in the first or second preseason game that he really looked terrific. But then he made a couple other catches as well. He, we know he's a good special teams guy. I see him being a, a contributor. He's going to catch a pass, you know, every game or two. Uh, and hopefully it's going to be a big play when, you know, he's not expected to be the main target. So I do see him getting some playing time and getting some uh, balls thrown his way. Okay, well, now let me – we're probably going to agree on this one too, but I'm still going to follow up on what Merle said about uh, that Carson Wentz. You know, top five quarterback in just a handful of years. You uh, you buying that? I think it's very possible. I heard a discussion on the radio today how a lot of guys, you know, by their second or third year, they show that they belonged. I mean, you have guys like Roethlisberger and Prescott who were very, very good right from year one. Uh, Andrew Luck was in the playoffs, I think, his uh, first year, and then to the conference championship in his second year. Um, a lot of guys will get on a fast track, and you know, by their second or third year, they can show they are a top five or certainly top ten quarterback. And from what I have seen in Wentz, I agree. I mean, some people will say he's still got some work to do in his mechanics. But, yeah, a lot of young quarterbacks do. But I like the guy. I think he's got a great arm. He's intelligent. And I think he's going to have a very, very good career here in Philadelphia. Well, and I think you know uh, how I feel about this. When when we went, uh, Bob Sullivan and I went to the Eagles' very first preseason game last year. I happened to be up at the time, and we said, what the heck, we had tickets, we might as well use them. And he actually played his only preseason action of the year in that game. And I just, as soon as he walked on the field, and I watched him in warm-ups, and I watched him come out on the, you know, with with the unit. And I told it Bob Sullivan. I said, "Man, I just love everything about this kid. Love the way he looks. Love the way he handles himself." And that hasn't changed. I think he got a lot of heat over them losing some games. There might have been more concern about Lane Johnson being out than there was about Carson Wentz having mechanical problems. Uh, but. I think the guy's going to be a star, a superstar in this league, and uh, can't wait to watch it. I think there's great things ahead for uh, for him and for the Eagles. I'm with you, man. I, I get excited about every Eagles football season, heck, every sports season in Philadelphia. But uh, Eagles season, when that rolls around, and especially when there's a chance that they're going to be good, it's pretty exciting. And I really want to watch Wentz develop in year two and year three. Well, I think it's it's extra fun when you have some fresh blood and you have a young kid like this. And, you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit later when we talk about that Reese Hoskins and the energy he has put into the, um, you know, to the Phillies right quick. But having these young guys that are just great players and great personalities is, is fun to watch as well. You know it. All right. Hey, uh, do we have a caller that we can get a quick, Quick uh, prediction from? Yeah, who do we have on the line with us? That would be uh, the alias Big C. The Big C. <laughs> Carl Henderson. Good to hear from you, my man. How is everything? Things are Terrific. fantastic as long as the storm stays away. That's, that's what I'm worried about. We're good. Hey, it's still going to be Sunday. We got well. We got Saturday Penn State Pitt. We got Sunday Eagles Redskins. We got the Phillies winning ball games with a bunch of young players. Life is good. I'm I'm excited. That's why I'm calling. Well, give us a give us a fearless prediction. What do you got? Ten and six. Ten and six. I'll take that. Okay. I'll take it. And does ten, ten and six, six win you uh, wins you the East? Does it get you uh, any playoff wins? I think you're going to squeak in. Um, I, I don't know about winning the division, but I'll take a wild card and uh, a first uh, a first round win. There you go. There you go. And hey, Carl, I'm you, said, you. Uh, you said you're you said you're excited about what the Phillies are doing. Twenty five and twenty seven since the All Star break. All the young guys are up now. Are you excited about those Phils? I, I am. I, I can't be any more excited. I've been calling for it all year. Um, I know Bill kept, you know, you know, downplaying, you know, turning the filter off and not letting me, you know, get too excited. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm right there. I'm there. 
Well, you know, you know, Carl, it it helps when you have them all up and you get a nice pitching performance from a guy like Ben Lively. Now all of a sudden you're you're good. You know, it's yeah. those it's those nights when you can't miss a bat and the other team is beating your brains out that that's that's when the trouble's been occurring. Yeah, I I, I think this pitching staff has really. Um, I mean, are they beaten up? Yeah, they're they're beaten up pretty good. You know, the injuries certainly haven't haven't helped us with you know uh, Velasquez and now uh, Jared Eikhoff. Um You know, I'd really like to see where they would be the second half if they hung on to Hellickson. You know, for the second half, I I, I really uh, I mean, like I said, they're winning they're winning games. Um, so I'm excited. Good yep, deal. Fun to watch again. Yep. All right, yeah. Mr. Henderson. Well, we certainly appreciate you calling. Hey, one other thing: why we have you before we before yeah. we lose you? Let how about a, how about the Flyers? Let's talk about a quick Flyers prediction. Well, we got a prospects game next week on the 13th. We got the Islanders prospects against the Flyer prospects. So that's the that's the start of the uh, start of the season for us Flyer fans. Um, you talk about a young team. This is going to be a young team. Um, you know, with the, especially the defense. So um, you talk about trust in the process. I guess we got to trust Hextall. Yes, yep. we do. Yes, we do. All right, Carl. Well, hey, thanks for giving us a call. And uh, absolutely, what, keep up the good work. Got, got a, yeah, you have a signing over at Carl's Cards this weekend. I do. I got your boy coming into town, and he asked, and he asked if you were going to be there. Big Who Jerry. would that be? Would that be would that be that Jerry Sizemore? That Jerry Sizemore asked if that Phil Furman was going to be there. Well, <laughs> you know what? I wish I wish I were. Indeed, I said. Well, you know what? I'm not real sure what his schedule is. I said, but I know he's got he's got Irma on his mind right now. And uh, I said, but you never know. I said that boy, that boy flies, flies up and down I-95 more than anybody I know. <laughs> Give Jerry our best. Give him our best. All right, Carl. All right, thanks, thanks man. Thank All right. Thanks for taking the call. Bye. All right. Hey, Chet, tell us what's going on this week over at the Irish Rover Station House. Oh, man, a couple of very cool events coming up at the Irish Rover, Bill. On Tuesday the 19th, there's another paint and sip evening. That's $25 per person, which includes supplies. They also have drink specials for painters. Then on the 30th, this great Irish pub goes German for one day anyway. Yep, Oktoberfest takes place 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturday the 30th as the Rover turns its patio into a beer garden complete with German food, beer, music, and Steinhoisting, no cover. It is on my calendar for sure, September 30th. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And, hey, Bill, one of my favorite bands has always been Steely Dan. And so in memory of co-founder Walter Becker, whom we lost over the weekend, here's about 15 seconds of Steely Dan. Rest in peace, Walter. Fantastic. Well, we have a little more music because we have another guest coming up. So I think we got a little lead in as well. We do. We have to find our Fred music. Let's see, because it is Fred and Butter time, and here we go. Well, Chad, as we said, we've been talking fantasy football up to the season with Fred Hugo, leading up to most of the league's drafts. The drafts are now complete. The season's ready to go. Let's welcome Fred back, and this time we're going to talk starting lineup strategy or any last-minute important moves. Fred, welcome back, my friend. Hey, guys. What's going on? Oh, it's good. Fred, it is week one, my friend, week one, so let's get right to it. Who do you sit? Who do you start? Uh, you want to take it by position? Let's go with quarterbacks first. Who are you going to start? All right, sounds good. We'll go with quarterbacks. Um, if I pick them one each, I guess there's as many you can go through, but I'll actually have that on my website tomorrow. But uh, if I'm going to start a quarterback this week, it's going to be Marcus Mariota of the Tennessee Titans. 
the Raiders' defense wasn't really great last year, especially against the pass, and they still have uh, plenty of holes. So he's he's sure to get you at least 20 points there. Um, if I'm going to sit a quarterback, it's going to be Joe Flacco. He's been injured the entire preseason with the back injury. He's facing a Bengals defense that is above average, that, that has challenges at times. But the fact that he hasn't played the whole preseason, I think that's going to be a definitely bench him um, type of thing. How about running backs? And, and then going into running backs, I mean, it, I just, it seems like a give me, but you got to pick him. I'm going to pick Le'Veon Bell of the, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know he's been out the whole preseason, but you're going up against the Browns, whose run D was terrible last year. And, and in fantasy, they, they gave up an average of like 23.68 points per game. So start Le- Le'Veon Bell. And then as far as Siddham, this guy's a popular guy that um, – uh, people have been drafting since uh, the injury to in Kansas City. Kareem Hunt, the rookie, I'm high on him for the season, but I would sit him tomorrow night. It's a Thursday night game. It's against the Patriots. The Patriots have a sound run D. Uh, sit Kareem Hunt. Next, wide receivers. Wide receivers, all right. I'm going to start. He's he's a top uh, – I, I, I don't know if everyone loves him, but I'm going to start Doug Baldwin. And just basically, base, he's a definite start based on the matchup against the Packers defense. They last year gave up an average of 28.9 points per game. I don't think – it doesn't look like they did much to improve that besides besides growth with, with their team. So, I would start Doug Baldwin. And then on the other side, to, to bench a, a high-rated wide receiver, but he doesn't have his quarterback this week. I would sit – T.Y. Hilton, um, Scott Tolzien is going to be the quarterback throwing to him, and the Rams' defense is pretty solid. He'll be matched up against uh, Tremaine uh, Jackson, so I would sit T.Y. Hilton. What tight end is going to have a big week in week one? I'm going to go – you know, I, I don't know if I'm, he's going to have a real big week. I, I would say I, I'm going to go Charles Clay just based on the fact he, he could have a lot of targets. So, um Sammy Watkins is gone, as well as uh, Robert Woods. So there's not a, a receiver in the passing game that's – I mean, Jordan Matthews is there, I guess. But I think Charles Clay is going to get a lot more targets this week. And to guarantee yourself points, I would start him against the Jets defense. And then a tight end that I would sit this week would be Eric Ebram of the Detroit Lions. He's supposed to have a um, breakout year this year. I, I feel like it's been like that the last three years. But – He's facing a great Cardinals D that only gave up about two catches per game to the tight end, so they're focused on the tight end. Definitely sit Eric Ebram. Okay. All right, Brent, let me jump in and talk about the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Do you pick pick a defense? If so, who is your favorite defense? And also, how about the kicking game? Is there a kicker that adds a lot of points? And if so, who are you taking and who are you not taking? Yeah, and in the defensive game, I, I kind of – what I do every week is I, I look to see where's a favorable matchup against a, a quarterback and um, or a team that's not so good on offense. But in this situation, I would say – I would go with the St. Louis Rams. You got Scott Telzine starting for the Colts. He's bound to struggle. Their offensive line isn't great as well. Um, I, I would definitely go with the Rams as far as defense Rams. goes. And then, and then kicker – kicker, I um, – I tend to just find a team that scores a lot of points. I don't weigh kicker high or low. I, I feel like you got Gaskowski in New England, who's pretty consistent every year, but they vary from the top ten year to year. So for this particular week, I just jumped on uh, the Falcons, figuring they're the highest offense out there, and I, I would go with Matt Bryant um, as far as kicking goes. Okay. Now, do you see a game, speaking of defense and looking at the schedule, do you see a game – that you see as a blowout that, um, you know, a defense could really get romped? I, I would say probably that Falcons game. Falcons against the Bears, you know. Uh, uh, the quarterback's escaping me. Matt uh, Mac Lennon's not going to – he doesn't. He looks like he's struggling a bit. I don't think they're going to have the ball much to keep the Falcons' offense off the field. I, I can see the Falcons romping uh, the Bears here week one. Okay. All right. It's exciting. Week one. Love it. Hey, Fred, on a totally different subject, what the heck were you doing in the WIP studio about a month or so back? 
Uh, well, I, I sent a tweet at, or Spike Eskin tweeted something. I just tweeted at him, like, what are the chances? And he's like, hey, come in studio. They're having, like, a, a bachelor bachelorette party contest. I didn't really care about the bachelor <laughs> bachelorette part. I just wanted to go in studio and be on the uh, on the radio, and it was uh, it was pretty cool. We won the contest, but on top of that, I was able to talk sports a little bit with Johnny Marks, and uh, it was a really, really cool experience. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah, I saw the pictures. Sure it looked like it was fun. Yeah, it was great. They Very give you good. all the tasty cakes you want too. They couldn't believe it. They're like, take as many as you want. And my <laughs> my my uh, my buddy takes like the whole shelf, and he kind of looked at him like, are you serious? <laughs> hey, take as many as you want. Oh man. <laughs> oh jeez. All right, Fred. Well, hey, good rundown. Uh, we'll talk next week again. We'll see how how you fared. You have to be you have to be uh, full disclosure here and tell us how you do week to week, and uh, we'll go through this. Uh, Who's good and who's bad for the week each time around? How's that? Yeah, sounds perfect. I wrote them all down, yep. so we'll yeah we'll break and it down next week. If you're thinking week. it up, you got to tell us now. And well, you're very know, quickly, Fred, I... who, <laughs> Fred, who you got? Eagles or Redskins? <sighs> I got the Redskins. I'm sorry. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> yeah, I don't, really? I, don't, I don't think that I don't think that offensive line's ready. But we'll we'll see. I, I'm. It's going to be close, as is always games between the Eagles and Redskins, it's, it's, I feel like. But I think the Redskins will take week one. Very All right, Fred, get out of here. All right, Fred. <laughs> hey, we appreciate you joining Thanks, us, Fred. and uh, we'll talk again next time. Sounds good. See you next week. Uh, See you, Fred. Hey, Chet, September 1st arrived, as we, as we mentioned. Shortly thereafter, J.P. Crawford came, too. Last night's lineup, Crawford, Reese Hoskins, Jorge Alfaro, Nick Williams, they put up nine runs against Jacob DeGrom and the Mets. Last night, Mikel Franco was the odd man out. How do you like the new look feels? I'm with the big C, Carl Henderson. I'm liking it. He's only been here a month, but I'm convinced Reese Hoskins is the real deal. Very disciplined hitter, never over-anxious. Twelve home runs in less than a month in the bigs. I love that kid. Nick Williams has also been very, very good since he's been up. Alfaro has hit very well since he's been here, but I'm not ready to go and say that he's the real deal just yet. I mean, he hit only 240 or something down in AAA, and he still has a lot to learn, as we know, as a catcher too. But at least we've seen some good things from Alfaro. Crawford won for five in his debut uh, with the interesting thing being the fact that he played third base and maybe doing more of that, uh, more of that soon, and that's as you said, leaving the underachieving Michael Franco as the odd man out. And also, Bill, your man Odubel Herrera is back in the lineup after an injury, and he now has a 19-game hitting streak. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about the Phils right now, including the performance they got Tuesday night on the mound and at the plate from that Ben Lively. So, as Carl said, they've been playing pretty well overall since the All-Star break, and I'm convinced that better days are now ahead. They have bottomed out, and uh, they will definitely be better next year. Well, we'll we'll see. I, I was kind of excited about last night. I'm not kind of excited about tonight. As you as you mentioned, Odubel Herrera, he is not in the lineup tonight. He is the odd man out, and Mikel Franco is also not in the lineup again and jp crawford is at third base again so uh a little bit interesting kim is playing right field tonight and not altair you know soon, sooner or later altair has got to get in this mix and that nick pavetta gave up three runs in the first inning so uh we're, we're back on the flip side but uh but i think uh we're, we've got to be excited about having some of these young kids up and and, and I mentioned earlier about Reese Hoskins and the energy he has brought to the team, the fan base, uh, the league uh, in his short time up has been fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I love watching that kid. He's, he's almost like appointment TV, like back in the days of, you know, Dick Allen or Ryan Howard when he was on fire in the 06, 07, 08, 09 uh, time period. I love watching Hoskins bat. Um, the Phils are currently 53 and 85 as we speak. That puts them on a pace for a record of 62 and 100, 100 losses even. So they have to go 10 and 14, which would put them at 63 and 99 if they wanted to avoid losing 100 games. Can they do that? I know you asked that question on Facebook the other day. Keep in mind they have seven games with the Nationals four games with the best team in baseball, the Dodgers, and then they finish the season with a weekend series against the Mets, who Tuesday night notwithstanding have really had the Phil's number this season. So it will not be easy. 
No, it's not going to be easy. And, and interesting about the Dodgers, I believe they've lost, what, 11 in a row or a bunch. A bunch. Uh, they're not playing very well, but that, that's a tough road to hoe for the Phils to win that many games, especially throwing these young guys out there every night. But uh, I don't think they will make it. I think they'll lose more than or, – or they'll lose at least 100 or more. Um, but you know what? They've got to get the experience. They've got to get these guys on the field and uh, – you know, Nick Williams is is hitting somewhere, I don't know, 270, 275, 272. And he's been up for quite a while now. So he's been around the league a little bit. People are seeing him, and he's still playing well. And, and we need to see that from, from Hoskins as he gets around the league. But I think uh, there, there's definitely a, a good outlook for the future. Yeah, absolutely. The the problem for me is the inconsistent pitching. I mean, these guys are young, but they're not like 21, 22. Most of them are 23, 24, 25. So they're not really kids anymore, and they got to be more consistent if they want to stay in the big leagues and be a permanent part of the rotation. Well, I think what we've got to find out is, is Bob Clore going to still be around for one uh, because a lot of this has to fall on him, whether it's his fault or not. It's got to fall to him. Uh, and then He's the other gone. one is that Mikel Franco. I mean, they, they've got to make a decision. Then, And the thing that bothers me about Franco, Chet, is he's taken the same ugly swing in game, whatever you said it was, 130, as he was taken in, in the first week of the season. It does not look like he's done anything to correct that. And that bothers me because I feel like he's yep. certainly being coached to fix it, but he doesn't seem to have tried to fix it. And that's that's worrisome to yep. me. I'm with you. All right. Hey, let's talk uh, our weekly prediction time, Chet. We do this every year, and uh, I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself this year as the scoreboard is back to 0-0. As I recall, I didn't go back and check, but I think you got thumped last year when you and me and Fred did this together. But this year it's just me and you. So – with zero zero, let's get it started. Giants, Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins. Who you got? Well, I haven't done much research at all on the Giants Cowboys game. It's Sunday night, eight thirty, down in Big D. We know about the Ezekiel Elliott situation as of right now. He's going to play because he's appealing the suspension. They're going to take it to the Supreme Court or whatever, so he's going to be allowed to play. Now I don't know how ready he is, how game ready he is, but uh, he's going to be in the lineup apparently. Um, these games have been close in recent years. The Cowboys or the Giants actually have covered the last five I just read. And in this one, the Cowboys are favored by three and a half. So I think it's going to be another real tight game. And I was leaning all week to picking the Cowboys. But you know what? The Giants have frequently played well down in Dallas. I'm going to take the Giants in a close one there. Uh, let's say 24-23. What do you say? Wow. Um well, I agree with everything you said, except that I think the Giants have a batch of their own problems, too. And uh, a lot of it is on that offensive line. Uh, yep. Eli Manning is getting a little bit long in the tooth. Who knows what you're going to get from Beckham. He might be great. And he might want to kick the kicking net. Who knows from him. So even with the new Cowboy problems that they've got, I'm going Cowboys in this. It will be interesting to see what happens in that defensive backfield for the Cowboys and see if the Giants exploit that because we'll need to be watching that for the future. So, uh, But I'm going Cowboys in that one. All right, mark that down because uh, I've, I've been going back and forth on that one. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants, and we'll see what happens. Now, Eagles and Redskins, we've got to make this prediction, huh? Yep. <sighs> It's week one, and you, you, you can't say there's a must-win situation in week one, but this is an important game for the Eagles. The Redskins have had their number the last two or three years. Kirk Cousins seems to light them up quite a bit. The good news is Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon are gone, and I think they're going to take a step back. I think the Eagles are a better team. Now, the line on that one had the Redskins favored initially by a couple of points. Now the Eagles are a one- or one-and-a-half-point favorite. A lot of people betting on the Eagles, and I'm going to bet on the Eagles as well. I don't think it's going to be an impressive win. I don't think it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch. It might be a bit sloppy at time, but I think the Eagles pull this one out in D.C. Week one victory, 
2317. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going out on a limb, Mr. Chesko, and I'm going to tell you that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to kick the mud out of the Washington Redskins. I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think they're not going to give up a lot of points. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to challenge these defensive backs, but I think the Eagles' defensive backs are better. As you mentioned, uh, the Redskins don't have Jackson. They don't have Garcon. Um, they got some problems of their own, too. So I am picking the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm going to go 31-14. Write it down. I'm writing it down, 31-14, and I would love to see that. I would not care if I were wrong about that score. But we both have the Eagles winning, and I have the Giants, you have the Cowboys. So we'll see how we do. There you go. All right. Well, hey, Chet, uh, it's that time of year again, and uh, we have to make our fearless predictions. So let's make this a little more challenging for ourselves this year. We put Carl on the on the hot seat already and asked him the – Total one loss. We didn't ask Fred. We should ask Fred. But what will the Eagles' record be? Will they make the playoffs? And will they? And who will play in the Super Bowl? I'm sure you've thought about the Eagles, but maybe not had a chance to think about the Super Bowl. Time's yours, my friend. <laughs> I have thought it about this week. No, not the Super Bowl yet, but uh, just about the upcoming season in general, at least uh, as far as the birds are concerned. It is a difficult schedule, especially those first six games. Very difficult. Still a bunch of question marks, but the Eagles were 7-9 and nine last year, and I've got to think that the coach and the quarterback learned a lot from their first season together. So that plus the fact that I, I just think the Cowboys are going to take a big step back this year. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just going to be turmoil related to the Elliott situation or what, but I think they're going to take a step back. As you mentioned, the Giants have some problems, especially on the O-line. I'm going to say the Eagles are going to go 10-6. and six. I agree with Carl on that front. And make the playoffs either as a division winner or as a wild card team. The Eagles will be 10-6 and six and in the playoffs. Write that down. I'm not ready to make well, a Super I, Bowl pick yet. I have no idea. I did write it down. And actually, you distressed me with that pick of 10-6 and six because – I have written down and prepared 10 and 6 for the Eagles as well. So here's what I'm going to do because I was borderline in between 9 and 7 and 10 and 6. So just so we don't have the same 10 and 6 pick, I'll switch mine to 9 and 7. But I do think <laughs> 10 and 6 wins the East, which is what I was going to say. They're going to win the East at 10 and 7 or 10 and 6. 9 and 6 will get them into the playoffs if they end up 9 and 7. So, in an effort to not have right, the now exact listen, you same number. you got to give one answer here. You, you can't all give right, me all these ten, different numbers. Give six, me your number. What are they going to go? 10 and 6 and win the East. 10 and 6 and win the East. Get a bye and then play a playoff game at Lincoln Financial Field. That is my prediction. Okay. So, we're both going to say 10 and 6. I'm saying playoffs. You're saying win the division. Let's just go with that. And for the record, last year – you and Fred both predicted eight and eight. I said six and ten. They ended up seven and nine. So we were both one game off. And hey, by yeah, the way, let me mention six this. And ten. Come on. I did. I wrote it down. I have it on a piece of paper right here on my. Yeah, desktop. I know. I know. You said six and ten. You thought they were going to stink. We thought they were going to be good. They I were did. Better. Now I put a poll on our website this week as well as on Twitter, and I combined the two numbers, and this is what I came up with for uh, tallying th uh, the, the numbers. Um, nobody thought they would go 11-5 and five or better, which surprised me. But 32% of the voters on Twitter and on our website said 10-6, and 32%. 36% said 9-7. and seven. So you're talking about two-thirds of the people who voted saying either 10-6 and six or 9-7, and seven, so pretty close to what we're saying. Meanwhile, 11% said 8 and 8, and 21% of the voters said 7 and 9 or worse. So that's a wow. rather high percentage right there. But So you had a bunch of people saying 7 and 9 or worse. You also had a bunch of people, two-thirds, 68%, saying 10 and 6 or 9 and 7. That's what we're saying, uh, 10 and 6 and playoffs. Boy, I'd, be I'd really be surprised that they would be – not as good a record as last year. That That's uh, interesting that people think that. 
Well, a lot of people are not on the Doug Peterson bandwagon, as you know, and some people just always go with the doom and gloom. But we're saying 10 and 6, yeah. and we're sticking to it, damn it. That's right. All right, Dave Chet, uh, let's again thank everybody that visits our website. We are now approaching that 20,000 mark. We're at 19,900 and something when I checked it uh, earlier today at phillypressboxradio.com. Uh, pretty good for an 11-month-old website and continue to keep it updated, although we've had some technical glitches this week. Uh, we write our articles from the local papers as well as the ones we put in there. You can listen to all of our shows, and also the Vimeo, the Steve Jones Vimeo chat is excellent that you did this week, uh, as are most of the rest of them. The Irish Rover Station House is there. Bob Sullivan's Like Your Age is there. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their website. And by the way, no subscription required. Free access to our website. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, interesting. We'll we'll save that. Maybe we'll have another minute here at the end of that, but we'll we'll come back to that if we do. Hey, Chet, the voice of uh, the Penn State Nittany Lions last week, the voice of the Eagles, Merle Reese, this week. Who is the surprise guest coming to Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday night? Well, Bill, before I reveal our guest for next week, let me ask, do you know how many of these shows we've done over the last three and a third years? Well, I know we're getting close to 150. Yeah, tonight is number 149. So, for our special 150th episode next week, we're going to bring back one of our very, very favorite guests who also happens to be a big-time expert on all things Eagles football and the NFL in general, the Hall of Famer himself, Ray Didinger. This will be Ray's eighth visit to our little program, which is pretty amazing. Obviously, we love our Diddy. All right, good deal. Love to talk to Ray. And you know, Chet, one of the things that I've got to talk to him about is that Jerry Kramer. You know, we've talked about that, I think, nearly every time we've had Ray on. And uh, now Jerry is finally, again, going to be a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, I know Ray's going to be as excited about that as I am. Yeah, you've both been campaigning for Jerry for a long time. So uh, let's hope it finally comes to fruition. All right. Well, Mr. Chesco, do you have a parting shot tonight? Because I do not. I do. Another football season is upon us, Bill. We've talked a lot about what we expect from the birds in the season ahead, but in reality, it's tough to predict how they'll do given the difficult schedule, the many new faces, and just the great number of things that can happen over a 17-week NFL season. Let's try not to get too excited if they somehow start 3-0 and again this September. Remember, they went 4-9 and after a 3-0 and start a year ago. By the same token, don't give up on the season if they're 0-2 after the pair of road games that greet the birds here at the start. While every contest is important in a 16-game season, the battles in October and November are usually the ones that get a team ready for the December home stretch. Enjoy these next four months, and who knows, maybe, just maybe, There'll be some January football for these Eagles. Well, wouldn't that be fun? Well, hey, Chet, since I don't have a parting shot, uh, but let's go back for just a second and talk about that Philly.com now being a pay uh, subscription to uh, to read the local newspaper. Perfectly timed for the start of the NFL season. Uh, What do you make of that? Well, it's kind of distressing, but very understandable. I feel for those guys. They work very hard, and I know that it costs money you know, to publish the papers and to get everything online. And so I understand that they want to you know, get some income from people reading all those comments. So I understand why they're doing it, but it just kind of sucks for us uh, people who read the stuff and don't want to have to pay for it. Right. Well, it's uh, it'd be interesting to see how long that lasts because I just don't know uh, – you know, people don't read large things on the Internet, and I, I just don't see them paying for it, certainly. Uh, they don't read they a just, lot they anyway raise the anymore. Price of the papers. They raised the price of the papers about two months ago by some 50%, like the Sunday paper went from 2 bucks to 3 bucks. the Inquirer. So I don't know. I know it's tough times for these papers, but uh, I don't know what's going to happen here. Well, maybe what they did, it's, it's all, all smart business. You uh, you raise the newspaper price, and then you start charging for the Internet. And everybody says, well, I'll go get the newspaper and find out it costs twice as much as it used to. Yeah. 
Interesting. Well, we'll see how that all pans out. So, hey, we have reached the top of the hour, Mr. Chesko, so let's go ahead and thank our special guest, the voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese. Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September 13th at 7 p.m. when Ray Dininger joins show number 150. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and MixCloud. I hope spill it up, you sports fans. E-N-T-L-E-N-E-R!